0: You know, the spirit of entrepreneurship, it's spoken about a lot and a lot recently, quite frankly. And, you know, it really depends on who you are and how driven you are day to day. So we I found out early on myself that I'm one of the persons that, you know, I like taking a concept and I like working with it. I like taking a vision and understanding what is needed to basically fulfill all the needs.
1: welcome to the dadpreneur podcast i'm your host alex Oliveira, and today i have the pleasure of talking to antonio hey antonio welcome to the podcast
0: hey alex pleasure to be here i appreciate that <laughs> my
1: fee. that is that italian antonio oh for
0: sure yeah hear it all the time
1: <laughs> yeah and you look italian too so it goes hand in hand so where 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 is your family originally from antonio yes
0: yeah, so my parents are from new york and my grandparents immigrated from italy
1: Okay. So like, it's like everyone from Italy, they went to New York first and then came back to Florida.
0: Pretty much. It's pretty much. I love, (laughs) I love the culture. I have to say. Yeah.
1: The food is great. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I'm hoping next summer, you know, we can make another trip over there in Italy, but we'll see.
1: Oh, nice. So you've been out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We actually went when I was in high school and I have to say probably one of the best vacations I've been on.
1: Oh, nice. And you still have family up in New York?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have a bunch of family. You know, they're doing well, you know, thank goodness with everything going on, but there's a lot of family up in New York.
1: You know, you're here in Florida and you went to Florida State University, right? Yeah, Florida State. I actually just graduated
0: this upcoming All right.
1: spring. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, so, so would that put you as a Gen Z or a millennial? Probably a no, millennial, a, right? Like yeah. the, youngest, the youngest millennial. All <laughs> <laughs> right that's that's awesome man no that's great i think it's a interesting times to be going you know as as far as like attending college i'm thinking back 20 plus years ago when i met my wife at ucf in college we were neighbors and the extent of technology then was the fact that we could download free music from napster like that was that was it in our flip phone right little flip phone i had a little snake you know uh video game on it but even texting was pretty basic and um it's just when I think about what it, what, what's out there today as far as the apps, how you manage your time and all of that, um, I don't know the difference because obviously I it went through it before that, but I have to imagine that uh, some of the technologies has helped you throughout college.
0: Most definitely. I mean, you know, going through COVID, we've all, we've all seen it. We're going through it now, but I got to say uh, it's easy for me to adapt, especially to the technology and that type of environment. But I guess I have to say, I'm grateful that I was able to do that. I know a lot are at the disadvantage, but it was a challenge, but we, we made it.
1: Great, great. So, you know, you and I connected through a mutual um, uh, contact, you know, somebody that I really respect and they, you know, the folks at the Jim Moran Institute that is connected with uh, Florida State University. I've been working with them for years and have certainly had the opportunity to work with a lot of entrepreneurs, first stage entrepreneurs like yourself and it's, it's just always uh, been a great pleasure of mine. So that's why I wanted to talk to you today to really explore your journey as an entrepreneur. You, we talked about you earlier going through the incubator there. We talked about your company, Private Receipt, startup that you have already pivoted a few times and you're, you guys are still working on it and getting it out there. And, uh, you know, just I, I think it's a great opportunity for my listeners to hear from a young, fresh, you know, uh, rookie entrepreneur that, because, you know, I don't, when I think about it, Antonio, the me 20 years ago, when I was about probably your age, I was just as I feel like ready to get out there and do business, right? Serve people, have employees. And as, as I am today, not a lot has changed. At least I don't feel that way. Maybe my gray hairs say otherwise, but but um, yeah, I, I I think like you were saying to me earlier, you you already knew, you you had that feeling that you guys wanted to go down that path of being an entrepreneur. So, talk to us about what that moment was like. What how did you decide while you're in college? this is the path I'll take versus the path that the 90% of, you know, students are taking. Yeah. So
0: early on around freshman year, I was able to understand that, you know, the spirit of entrepreneurship, it's spoken about a lot and a lot recently, quite frankly. And, you know, it really depends on who you are and how driven you are day to day. So we, I found out early on myself that I'm one of the persons that, You know, I like taking a concept and I like working with it. I like taking a vision and understanding what is needed to basically fulfill all the needs. But to dig a little bit deeper, how I understood that early on was the fact that the Jim Moran School of Entrepreneurship at Florida State allowed you to not only learn the fundamentals of entrepreneurship, but you got to work on a business at the exact same time. So to me, it was killing two birds with one stone and it made perfect sense. It made school probably one of the best majors I've ever taken, probably the best times I've ever had. And it was very enjoyable. So, you know, from taking that concept, you know, as a whole, I didn't really think any other major made sense. And I always felt like I had a business background. My parents grew up you know, they're both directors. They both have pushed me, you know, figure things out. If it doesn't work, approach it from a different way. And I've always grown up to develop that type of mindset. And I believe it it just made sense. That was really why I picked that.
1: Oh, that's great. And is there something that is, that, that attracted you to entrepreneurship? Like perhaps you had family members or friends or other people who you know, had talked to you and said, Hey, look, this is what you can expect because like everything else in life, there's pros and cons. Right. Um, but I, I usually find that there is something in entrepreneurship that people are attracted to. Cause as you said, you have to be a little bit, uh, or a lot driven, you know, to be able to get up every day and do that same song and dance that there's a lot of highs, but there's a lot of lows too. So what, what, what really made you do that?
0: I really took it upon myself to really, my parents view it as a high risk, obviously high reward opportunity, but my parents are not necessarily the biggest risk takers. Okay. So they didn't necessarily agree. And not that I use that as much as my motivation, you know, to really push me towards it. But I really decided that, you know, I can go two paths in life. I can go the, what I think of as normal, you know, going through life, understanding what you can do to to educate yourself, to go through a corporate job, or for me, where I can understand obviously the fundamentals of business, but how I can grow and mature myself and make my own journey, my own path and essence, you know, bigger risk, but Hey, there could be higher reward. And I feel like I am a really, I'm a person that's able to be, you know. More of a resilient person. you know, I, I really can understand that if it doesn't work out, hey, maybe I just gotta approach it a different way, or hey, maybe that just didn't work out. Try it this different way. I'm not really one to give up. I haven't
1: been. Sure. yeah, you you have to have that sort of thick skin that uh, you let you know you you learn from your mistakes so you don't do it again, but you sort of expect that the, you're gonna hit bumps in the road no matter what you do. You and I were talking about me driving down from New York. Uh, last week I went on an RV trip with the family. As, as I was telling you, he said, we had three tire blowouts on the interstate. I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe it, you know? And, uh, I looked at the kids and every time I'd get out of the car and just get into that mode. Right. And it's a lot like business. I, I all these examples are, I, I use those as analogies for the kids. It's like, that's just life. You know, you're going to hit bumps in the road and you're going to have a tire blowout. And then you must continue because, you know, it, it's a lot harder if you dwell on your failings. And to to me, my failures in, in entrepreneurship, and I think most entrepreneurs I talk to um, say the same thing, that's where they had the biggest learnings, the biggest aha moments and, and having those failures is what pushes you to kind of take your mind to, like you said, look at it from a different angle and then solve the problem, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I could speak upon, you know, I wouldn't say failures, but things that just necessarily didn't work out the right way. And mm-hmm. I could speak about that with Private Receipt, the venture that I have myself. Um, you know, early on, we went through this program, the incubator up in Tallahassee, Florida, Domi Station. Okay. And it was at that point in time, Private Receipt was, um, the business was called Digital Stuff before it was named Private Receipt. and at that point it was basically a concept it was a great idea that we thought and we wanted to just you know give it a shot let's see if we can put this idea through an incubator we basically i want to say four months down the road you and a classmate yeah me and my business partner actually um from high school we we traveled from tallahassee together yeah and we we didn't necessarily think it was going to work out but we said hey listen you know, if we're going to stand behind this, we want to make it work. Let's just do whatever it takes. So we, by going through this incubator program, we had a a curriculum called co-starters, which is kind of common for most, you know, basic rookie startups and try to put you through the mindset of, Hey, this is entrepreneurship, you know, the fundamentals of it. Is it something that you're able to, you know, is it something that's for you? And is something that you can, you know, basically work with. So by doing that early on, it allowed us to understand who we are ourselves. You know, is this something we can achieve with our own aspirations? And, you know, is this business concept even viable? So early on, it really set us up for, I believe, a really good roadmap.
1: that's great yeah i think incubators do it's a great resource that um like you and i were talking about that i I just applaud you and your partner for doing it because oftentimes you know business owners who especially in the tech the, the technology world if you're building a a cloud or SaaS or anything that is virtual type of service everyone wants to get that mvp get the beta and go out to market And then, like you and I were talking about, what matters is if the product is working, you have a prototype that is working. If you have companies or people, whether you're B2B or B2C, if they're buying it, if they're signing agreements and paying for it, that should be the inkling that it works. All too often, I see, you know, uh, even second or third stage entrepreneurs who put out a, a very, you know, mediocre product in the interest of just getting it out there. And you know, you put a sales team together, you get out there, and then if people are buying, you're having a high churn rate. That should be like that. That should be the the red flag that tells you like, hey, you need to go back to the drawing table. So, I think I applaud you, and really recommend any entrepreneur who's listening to balance. Don't wait three, four, five years until it's perfect. But also, don't just go into it. You know. Test it out. Get 50 or 100 people as your focus group to to, uh, adopt the technology and use it and then give you feedback. And it sounds like in the incubator, you guys were able to do a lot of the back office stuff, right? Learn more about the the marketing plan and the accounting and all the things that um, every business has to go through, right?
0: Yeah. And we learned a lot of the basics. I have to say for the entrepreneurs listening, the early comers, the business model canvas. I know Alex, you spoke about this before, uh, but I have to say, probably one of the best things you can double down on. Agree. You know, you when you're when you're out to dinner, you have the great business idea. You write on a piece of a napkin, or if you're going out and you know you get home at night, you want to pursue this this idea. The very first thing I would recommend is whip out that business model canvas. You want to understand each and every aspect of it, and really understand you know, this is, this is basically my whole roadmap. This is my business right here. Approach it from three different angles, sleep on it, look at it again, because right there at that very spark, it could be, you know, your, your subconscious talking to you. It could be something you're really driven to do. That is one of the biggest things my mentors early on told me to do. I had two mentors tell me, make it right to the point. And one of them tell me, make it as detailed as possible. If they need to be paragraphs, make them paragraphs. They didn't really agree with each other, but it made us think, "Hey, you know, there's two different approaches. There's two different ways we can go about this." And early on, it really opens up doors. It really opens up opportunities and different ways to think. Early on, you don't even think about.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned mentors. It's definitely a, a question that I like to ask uh, entrepreneurs of all level of the experience. You know, um, I've been an entrepreneur really 20 plus years, I still have mentors, you know, and I also mentor people. So I have mentees right now. I'm actually mentoring a, a a, two founders in Romania and I love doing it all over the world because you get different fields. Right. And, and I certainly have a handful of mentors. So talk to me about the importance and what you got from having mentors. And and you've mentioned one, having two different views on doing, uh, you know, having an approach or strategy.
0: Yeah, so I like to view a mentor that's someone obviously to guide you and you know, really put you on a better track. And we were fortunate enough to really dive into the FSU network. And one of our um, leaders for an incoming freshman actually was an entrepreneur at heart. And early on, we were able to discuss, you know, our business with her and basically dive in. And she really helped, you know, foster a little seed. Of hope in our heads that say, listen, you know, you take this core idea and you can make it something. And early on, you know, that really inspired me because I told you, you know, I go back and forth that, you know, business is something I love. But to really get excited, to bounce ideas off of somebody and just see what a future looks like, it really pushed me forward. So I have to say, when I was starting to go down this road, I didn't have any mentors, I didn't have anybody to bounce ideas off of before that. And I want to say it was kind of a state where I didn't, I didn't feel as if I was frustrated or as if I didn't know what to do. I just needed to put myself out there. I was new to everything. And by doing that, I, I attended. There's a Tallahassee community college up at, you know, near Florida state. And I actually um, went to a couple seminars over there. And it's called the innovation park by Tallahassee and everybody, you know, from the people that attend school to, to you know, people in their middle, middle ages. And they go down there and they're looking for mentors or they're able to mentor someone else and just really, you know, bounce ideas off of everybody. You know, a small round table we can just discuss. And from that, it, I really just built my ecosystem. What I, what I believe is, you know, any stage you need, you need a group of individuals to speak upon. And it, when people think of business, they think of good ideas, money, and opportunity. I think of it as obviously those are all incorporated, but you just need to, you need advice. You need someone to talk to. And I think that's the whole purpose of a mentor and whole purpose of business. You just need to bounce those ideas.
1: Sure. No, I love it. I think it's so important that you, again, going back to your journey already, doing the incubator, finding a founder, someone that you can trust and enjoy doing business with. That's, that's a blessing in itself. Not everybody has that, you know? Um, but then getting a mentor and multiple mentors, that has been really, I think, really good for you. So keep on that track. And I'm sure at some point you'll you'll, you'll be giving back and mentoring others, you know. But um, talk to me about, you know, private receipt in itself. What What is the business model? What problem are you guys solving there, Antonio?
0: Yeah, you got it. So private receipt is a company. That centralizes and digitalizes receipt data to your smartphone. So in essence, no more physical copies, no more text or email. You swipe your debit card or credit card, and your receipt comes straight to your phone. It solves the problem of having all your expense data in multiple locations. Whether it's an email or text, you're searching through them, or if it's a really expensive item, you know why would it be somewhere where you can't organize? So we try to keep it in one location. But the really added benefit behind private receipt is keeping your data private. While it's in one location is great. You can, there's many apps out there. You take photos of your receipt and it's all aggregated. Sure. But we understand that privacy is what everybody cares about to a certain extent. And we, we took that idea of keeping your information safe and secure, but allowing you to save money while doing that at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So with that, we will have um, through it in intelligence, we will have our system that is knowledgeable enough to understand what advertisements or what incentives our users would be interested in. And with keeping your data on our platform, we can provide that to our users. So no matter what, no one is able to see anybody's data, but they're also to say also able to save money on our platform. So that's really private receipt in a nutshell.
1: Okay. And so is the day is the um The way that you capture that data, you know, I imagine most people have three, four credit cards. I'm not sure. Um, Is it integrated into their um, accounts there and then just kind of centralizes it in the private receipt platform? Exactly. You said perfect. Perfect. And and are you doing that through an app Um, for for the consumer? So for the end user, uh, are you doing it? Is it a web application or an app? It's actually an iOS application.
0: We are starting on okay. the iOS platform as of right now. And we're pretty much, I want to say, as of this conversation, about 95% done with our first prototype.
1: Nice. Okay. So yeah, I once you get the Android, I'll be able to use it. <laughs> I'm not an oh, iPhone user. But <laughs> but I totally understand that why do it on iOS first? I mean, every business case study will show you that you should do it there first. Those users are willing to pay more for it. And there is the level of privacy there that you don't get with Android, so definitely I get that question a lot, right? I'm building an app, where should I do it in both? I said, no, do it in iOS first, right? Unless you know that your audience is predominantly not um, iPhone users, you know. So, so talk to me about the how you guys are planning to get the product out there and, and, and market. you know, It's one of the biggest challenges that most startups have is getting the buzz, promoting, adoption of the, of, of the actual product. It's just marketing in general, digital marketing. There are so many channels, as you and I have talked in, in the past about that, but deciding which one to, to go with and understanding where that audience is is a whole different set of challenges. So talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, so great question. We're we targeting more of the, the digital natives. One, a user that is really you know, tech savvy, one that understands the fundamentals of their phone. Mm-hmm. So more of the younger age group and the, the, the demographics that really shop a lot. So I like to describe it as someone that's really just starting their life. They just graduated college or someone that is ready to buy their house. Someone that's, you know, they're taking care of their expenses. They are on top of all of their budgeting and things like that. Now, when I, when I say that we are doing a lot of, we plan to do a lot of our marketing through the point of sales. Now we can take, let's say Square, Clover, Shopify, for instance, on the point of sale, they would have, you know, the private receipt, you know, emblem or, or some kind of marketing scheme that's able to show, Hey, this store offers a private receipt opportunity. Okay, where if you use it, all the, that data is coming to your phone. At the same time, we want to we want to push a lot of social media advertising, you know, because we can target because our, our target audience is roughly around, you know, the, the 25 to around 35 year old age group. And mm-hmm. they're usually more the ones that drive social media interactions, but we're going to do a lot of in store on the point of sale advertising.
1: Sure, and with COVID, obviously this wasn't baked into your business plan when you guys started in the incubator. What what challenges have you guys experienced during COVID? So let's go back to March of 2020. So about 15, 16 months ago.
0: Yeah, so fortunate enough to have programs like like Zoom where we can jump on quick calls, but we had to go from meeting weekly with our mentors and my business partner. And to basically jumping almost across the state of Florida, you know, you know, in Tallahassee to Fort Lauderdale to Miami and Boca to really just, you know, it's it's not as personal anymore. You know, we can jump on Zoom and we can have those meaningful conversations. We'll, we'll reach our goals. That's not a problem. But when you're together, it just really fosters a deeper connection. You're able to push each other a little bit harder. So I don't want to say it was too much of a negative effect. A lot of people are going through a lot worse, but We were able to adapt. Now, at the same time, I could dig a little bit deeper and talk about, you know, business opportunities. Mm -hmm. When we were in Tallahassee going through the Jim Rand program, we were able to, you know, connect with businesses on a personal level, sit down, show them the pitch deck, understand what benefits we bring to them and how they can benefit us. And that has really changed because a lot of businesses are just right now trying to stay up and running or, they don't see an opportunity because there's so much other things that they need to worry about that we, we don't become secondary. So fortunate enough that we're still prototyping, we're still building, but at the exact same time we, you know, those connections could have been made. They could have been fosters and, and growing already. So good and bad at this exact same time.
1: Sure. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of that for sure. What about when you think about sales? So we talked marketing a little bit. What about sales? You know, um, most entrepreneurs I talk to, they they just have that um, natural sales uh, uh, capabilities that you don't always find in 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 people everyday life, right? Because as an entrepreneur, you know that you have to sell your product, and to me, it has never made a difference whether I'm talking to an introvert or extrovert entrepreneurs. They get it. I got to make sales. And at the beginning, when you just have the founders in a small group, it's like everyone is selling. So for you and for your partner, who's doing the selling? Is it both of you? Is it just, how have you guys structured that?
0: It's really been a collective approach. When, you, when you're a young entrepreneur, you wear all the hats, like you just said. But um, one of my business partners is actually in Tallahassee. He's actually there for another year. And he's been doing... He's been nurturing the relationships up there, so he's been taking more the approach. I'm more on the business model, and funny enough, my developer, you know, collectively we all take turns, like I said, and we're actually, you know, at one point he was talking to coffee shops, and it's funny enough, he's developing the app, but he's also trying to sell it as well. And you know, with the small team, like I said, it goes back to being resilient. It goes back to, you know, if you have this great vision, then you can't really rely on anybody else. You gotta get up there, get out there, and take care of it. So, yeah, at, at one point, you know, someone that is more of an introvert and someone that's way more technical than I can imagine was trying to sell the product. And, you know, you got to do what you got to do.
1: Absolutely. And what, what kind of resources, Antonio, do you depend on to stay informed? Because I, I know when I was, a, you know, started out as an entrepreneur, I mean, I could read every book, every magazine at the time it was a lot of magazines, but uh, even websites, what are your like favorite resources to just stay up on it? Not so much that it in, interrupts your own internal flow. Cause I, I have found that throughout my career that if, if I allow myself to spend two, three hours a day, learning new things like reading books and, and blogs and watching videos, it, it can take away a time, right? From working on my own stuff. So how do you balance that? Do you, do you have a process, a system, a place where you go to on a weekly basis to stay sharp on what's new and what's working?
0: Right. And I like that question a lot. Um, I didn't quite understand why a successful individuals or just really in-depth entrepreneurs love to read or love to stay up to date. I mean, it makes sense. I'm not going to say I'm blinded by that, but as I've been going down my journey, you know, reading books and staying up to date has been way more prevalent and it actually just comes, I want to say second nature. I'm going to tell you, you know, I like to read now. I like to read, you know, the the biggest two I like to say off the top of my head are is Peter Thiel, go to zero, zero to one and really, really good book. I recommend that to anybody listening right now or even, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, understanding those books and understand the mindset. But to really, you know, understand how I stay up to date, you know, I do a lot of YouTube, I do a lot of social media, you know, not to keep me distracted, but there's a lot of ideas flowing around. There's a lot of different perspectives. And, you know, there's, there's positive and negative connotations of all of it, but I really double down on what I think is good. And like I said, it's all about perspective. And, you know, lastly, I depend on my mentors. And, Mm you know, really doing, you know, update research, see, you know, what's trending, what's working. Oh, this business just IPO. Well, what's the fundamentals of that? Like, how did they approach this? What does their model look like? And, and kind of, I look for different ways of approaching a situation and that's how, where I get my
1: inspiration from. Got it. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, there's so many resources out there, but it's finding the ones that, um, you know, uh, can deliver, and I, I love that you said you also lean on mentors and also on the financial news, right? So watching an episode you know, in the morning at 5, 6 a.m., 20, 30 minutes of Bloomberg you know, or Yahoo Finance and learning what what, what is happening in the market. I think to that end, if you think of like Robinhood that just went um, public last week, I mean, they've done uh, just such a great thing right, for your generation in that I remember – when I was coming out of college, I decided to take my Series Seven because I thought I wanted to be a stockbroker. And uh, back then, I mean, we had a deck of index cards, not even a computer. Uh, at AIG, I was working at AIG in uh, outside of Orlando, and it was a phone and a index cards with phone numbers, and we were just cold calling, dialing, dialing, dialing. I said, "What? I thought I was going to be a stockbroker, looking at big screens." The guy said, "No, you're a junior broker. You're nothing." I said, okay, so I'm just cold calling. That's it. Oh, and eventually man. I yeah, it, it was fun. But uh, the point was I remember my my senior broker, Garth Bather, was his name. You know, he says, like, look, you know, I wake up every day and I I study the markets. So he said, like, even if you decide that you want to be an entrepreneur, because at that time I was telling him that already, right. He even if you decide you want to be an entrepreneur and you're not going to invest all your money or revenue into other companies, you're going to invest in your own so that you can grow, you still need to know what's going on in the marketplace from a macro broad terms, you know, and I've done that forever. So every time I get the opportunity to talk to young entrepreneurs, it's look, you need to have your thumb on the pulse as to what's happening in the market. So even if you, have, you don't have a dime to put into the market. Learn what's going on, and I think cryptocurrency and obviously technology and Robinhood and those channels have really kind of risen. And uh, you know, you're living under a rock if, you're, if you don't know what's going on. So I love that you are making time to understand what is happening outside your organization. I, I have to imagine that that helps you.
0: Most definitely, like you said, the cryptocurrency and the financial markets, I have to say, with, with the growing network of social media and the amount of people that I've grown to just allow it to be a part of their daily lives has, I like to think that a lot of people more engage with it. And I think it's a good thing, whether you're financially literate or not, it's something, you know, you have to know at least a couple of things about, you know, to really keep your financial house secure and, you know comfortable to the way you want it. You have to know, you know, a thing or two about it, but just to branch out of your domain. There's a lot of things I didn't know. There's still a lot of things I don't know, but it's to know your unknowns. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's beneficial.
1: Two more things that I wanted to touch on as far as, you know, you're building this business. And that's what, like I said, the conversation was about today is talking to someone who's going through that journey uh, as a first stage entrepreneur here. And we've talked marketing, we've talked sales, um, building the technology. One, a couple of other things, as far as hiring people, you know, what, what are you, what are your plans? How are you guys going to go about hiring the right people to join your organization? Because when you're a startup, it's like, you're trying to convince people to come in, um, and, and join you on this, 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 uh, sort of journey that you're building, but it's not like they're going to expect, You know, big, big, big salaries, big bonuses. And so when you think about that, Antonio, how how do you see approaching talented people who and then compelling them to join you guys?
0: I think you hit the nail on the head because that is probably one of the biggest struggles we've had early on and one of the biggest things we've been working on. Recently, we've had some really good outcomes. We've, we've, like I said, we've been dealing with this for quite some time right now, and we, we have a good rapport at, at this moment. But really, trying to broaden your team, expand your team has been a challenge. You know, for a tech startup, I can say pretty much almost one of the hardest. Now, I know it's harder, but early on, you know, you, you can pitch an idea all you want, you can get someone to join the business end of things and, and be an entrepreneur with you. And, and to me, it worked out flawlessly and you know to really find someone to take that idea okay implement it into a piece of technology is where all the bread and butter goes so it's really like you said how do you sell the idea how do you get someone interested someone can graduate you know college with a bachelor's in you know computer science or computational science and really you know be set for life that that's pretty much their mindset but you got to find that individual that is willing to branch out or that individual that's willing to see a vision, understand that they're, they're, you know, the individuals in the computer science department, I got to say they're gifted and they're, they really, you know, they end up taking a chance on you. So it's all about how do you present yourself, get all your eggs and buckets in a row and understand that, you know, you got to take a chance on each other, but the biggest convincing factor for us was going to pitch competitions, Mm -hmm. you know, really take that idea. You're hand-waving at that point. And that's what we were doing, but you, you know, if it's not working out, you can't really get anybody interested because you're such a small startup. You're you're really just a concept. You got to just get out there. You have to get people interested, start having that little network of people just talking around and, you know, really giving you pointers on how to grow, grow as individuals, grow that business model. And then you can find someone that, I don't want to say talented or not, but someone that's willing to maybe just work with you part-time or someone that's willing to just give you some pointers early on. Then, like I said, the, the network just keeps growing and you're able to find someone that may not be interested or might want to just take a chance that you know it could end up turning out that you know they really don't want this type of opportunity. But at least you have a track record. And that's what I'm trying to say. You're, you're, you're starting small and that has been the hardest part about this. The sure. good news is, You know, we have a CTO right now and we have, you know, our software engineers working with us. But to say that, you know, going down that road has been very difficult. I'm sure there's there's deeper and bigger roads we got to go down. But that is the basic part, you know, the biggest obstacle we dealt with early on. But we got through it. I'm very fortunate to say we just had to stick with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people as you will experience forever is the hardest part uh, about building in a sustainable business that is co- constantly growing. So whether you're a 10 person company or a hundred thousand person company, it never gets easier. So that's the bad news. But uh, I think, you know, look when you have a great product and you know how you're serving the community or the world and you have really good leaders, it, it, it's a lot easier to compel people to come, Work for you, you know, and I, I, I say this to some of even my clients who say, "Hey, I'm having a hard time hiring people during COVID." Well, you know, you also have to listen to what the market's saying. So, if in the market people are not even at the entry level willing to come work for you for, you know, let's say fifteen dollars an hour, you know, a a job that might have been ten is now fifteen, but the people who are Entry level saying, Hey, you know what? 15 is not good. I'd like to get 18. Like you have to read the market too. And right now it is, it, it, it is an employees' market. It's a workers' market. And unfortunately, I, I see a lot of people who don't understand that. You and so you have to shift Years, A lot of people collecting unemployment, and you got to read the market, you know. And so we'll see how, how it works going forward. But I think that the hybrid model, working from home and benefits that didn't really resonate with people prior to COVID are now going to have to be in place. Whether you're a startup or, or a, you know, established company, you have to listen to what people want. And and then you have both sides. Because I've been at roundtables where, you know, big executives are saying, hey, we don't care. They're the employees and they have to listen to us. And I'm saying, well, you've got to find a middle ground, right? You're, you're saying, no way, they got to come back to the office. This is how it works. But it's a job that they can do and perform well remotely. What is the problem? So I'm a big proponent of that. Our business, we grew, grew, grew from 2011 to 2016. And in 2016, we ended our office lease and decided to go virtual. With At that point, I think we had about 37 or 38 employees. And we've never looked back we have a couple of offices just for the address itself, you know, but really, rarely do we meet at an office and I have employees and contractors literally in every continent. And so what I tell my clients and vendors, it's like, you can absolutely do that and still have a culture that people are proud of being a part of, but the thing that they get is to own their time spend more time with their family, more time doing what they love. So um, absolutely. And then the second biggest challenge I want to talk to you about, which everyone experiences in business is finance, Antonio. You know, when you're starting a business and whether you land that big account or whether you raise money or use a friend and family around, finance is finance, it's money, right? And it gets to a point where you say, I got to break even and then I got to make a profit. So for you when you're thinking about that how how has that shaped some of your decisions are you guys looking to go to these pitch competitions and raise money find VCs because I do have listeners of this show who are themselves investors right and so is that a route that you guys are going to go or are you going to be scrappy and just build it on your own with, with, with your own family friend round?
0: Yeah. And in fact, that's exactly where we're at in in our development right now. We are, you know, we, the business model is, has been refined to the point where, you know, we're ready. We're ready for investment. We're ready for the opportunity. uh, We believe, you know, where, the way we want to grow private receipt, we need to bring on more of our software engineers. We need to get to the point where we are able to build at the speed of how fast we think this, this business can grow. So right now we are looking at investment opportunities. You know, we're open to anything that may come our way. But like I said, we we love the fact to just really listen to someone and understand, you know. What kind of? What are the? How do they benefit? Or you know, someone that is willing to just give us the time of day to give us their input on it, and just to really, you know, see if we can dig into their ecosystem. But at the end of the day, we are approaching our investment rounds, and that's something where we're currently
1: at right now. Awesome, man. That's exciting. It's really exciting, you know, because it, there's plenty of money out there. That's the that's the good news. And uh, I I always in these podcasts like to give uh um, resources, you know, like the syndicate. Um, and there's a bunch of others that I'll put into the show notes so that people can, people who are launching businesses, right. Startups and looking for funding, they can look at the, the, the VCs and, and this whole world, it's a pretty huge ecosystem. And sometimes you might have to kiss a, you know, a hundred frogs before you find the right one. Um, but, that's really no different than sales or than finding the right employee, right? You have to be willing to, like you said at the beginning of our show, is get up every day and just keep going, right? You can't let the, those things get you down. So. Before we close off today's episode, Antonio, I, I really wanted to say, you know, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you giving us a peek into what it's like to be a, an entrepreneur who just graduated college, went through an incubator, has got a, you know, a, a product that is in the tech world, which is super exciting. Um, so tell us how our, our listeners can connect with you, learn more about your company.
0: Yeah. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Antonio Minolfi and to connect with my company, uh, it's private receipt. Uh, It's on a Wix site right now. We're actually in the process of transitioning. Um, You can connect to me on, uh, we can leave that in the the notes. Maybe I can, I can drop that link inside there. Um, But yeah, on LinkedIn, I'm a very active uh, person on LinkedIn. Again, Antonio Minolfi, and that's how you can connect with me. I would greatly appreciate that.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Antonio. It was great talking to you today.
0: Alex, pleasure. Great to be a part of your network. Thanks again. You're welcome.